All right, friends, welcome back to Nick and Dan's Bible Study Podcast. We are, Nick, we are the best podcast around for one reason and one reason only. It's not because of you. It's not because of me. It's because we don't waste time talking about what we made for dinner and what's going on in every little detail of our lives, but we get right to the Bible, right? That kind of hurts me, though. I thought it was because of us. I really did. I'm, I, you know. Well, I mean, you know, you're... You, you are a special person, but <laughs> oh, many, many would agree with you on that. <laughs> but I'm more interested in what you have to say about the Bible and how we live out following Jesus in our everyday lives than I am about what you had for lunch or, you know, how much your power bill was because mine's way up with all this air conditioning running. But that would be that would be counter to our purpose. So today, Nick, we're talking about James. Yes. The letter of James in the New Testament. Um, and you know, Nick, a lot of people have an affection for this letter. Um, why do you think that, why do you think that it like, I just feel like oftentimes if I mention the letter to James or doing a Bible study on James or a sermon series on Jimson on James, people like several people respond. I love James. Right. <laughs> have, you, have you experienced that? Like, well, wh- you know, not so much as that, you know, outright, but it's such a good book because it speaks to so many of the issues that we deal with the struggles that we have on a day-to-day basis. Like it, it talks about, um, important topics. And one of the reasons why I've have been in the book of James and in first Peter has been exactly because of that, what's been going on in our society and the struggles so many churches are having. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's a great book to, to spend some time in, uh, I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Yeah, so James is really a, a letter, a, a book of the Bible that the the rubber me- really meets the road, yeah. so to speak, right? Like, and he's pretty, um, he's pretty bold, Nick, isn't he? I mean, the, the, I mean, most of the most of the biblical authors are, but you can. There's just kind of something in James's tone where it's like he has some things that he has to call out. Um, there's some there there's some comforting pieces too, right? But there's some things that James is seeing that he's not really all that gentle about pointing out and saying, this has to change. Yeah. But you know what? There's, there's, there's a beauty and there is a comfort that comes out of the author being that direct and being that black and white. Right. Uh, Because a lot of the struggles that I think our churches are going through today is that graying that our, you know, our culture maybe has slipped away from where scripture would have us. And, and it's been that way for so long that we're not sure. It's like, oh no, man, my, my practice is good. Well, no, if you read the book of James, your practice is not good as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's not that great. So, you know, it's, I find it comforting to actually say, okay, this is God inspired word. What yeah. does it say? And how are we supposed to live? Yeah. And it's, you know, it also tells us that although we, we look back to the first century to the early church as kind of our example, if you will, but it also points out that there's issues all the way through. Yeah, right? Right. Like they didn't like there was a, a freshness and a boldness to the early church that's fantastic. Uh, but there's also issues, you know, right right off the bat and and in the first few decades of the uh of the church that James, who most scholars believe is Jesus's brother, half-brother, I guess if you will, James, not the apostle James. Um, and so some interesting things could be said about his background and experience and things as well, too. But we're not going to go so much there. It's just trying to get right into the nitty gritty of some of what he has to say. Right. Um, so 
we decided we're going to spend uh, most of our time here today in, uh, in in James chapter one, and not verse by verse, but there's some particular things that we kind of want to point out that maybe, and as usual, we do want to make specific application for maybe for our time, right? For our moment, for right. our lives, because that's what the, you know, Nick, that's what the New Testament authors are doing. They're taking the gospel and biblical truth and they're applying it into their situations then. And we receive it such that we learn from what was going on there, what was being taught there so that we can discern, right. And apply it in our, in our circumstances because right. James wasn't the, I mean, he was dealing with the same human nature, right. The same issues um, with all kinds of things, but at the same time, it shows up differently in different times. Right. And, and there's a consistency. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, I, we've said this before, probably what this early church was experiencing was so much worse than anything we're experiencing in America right now in America. Now I know, I know there's severe persecution going on in China and other places in the world. Uh, but in the American context of Christianity, um, we've got it pretty comfortably and that in itself imposes some additional challenges to us. Right. You know, when, when life becomes a bit more comfortable, and maybe we don't have to rely on God for tomorrow's meal, or we don't have to rely yeah. on God for protection from that, you know, government that's literally going to come in my house and cut my head off or whatever it might be. Um, that's not to say we're better off in any, by any means. Sometimes that makes it yeah. a little more difficult to practice true faith. Well, the, the new Testament authors seem to be pretty consistent across the board and they, they all talk about, um, trials and troubles and persecutions because they experienced it, as you just pointed out. Mm. But they all all seem to consistently want to help Christians, help the early church think about how the challenges that they face can and are shaping their faith to go deeper. Right. Right. So whenever we experience challenges, our first impulse is get rid of this thing. Right. Or maybe God, why are you letting this happen to me? Which is in here too. Which is in here too. We're just, we're, we're going to read in just a minute. Right. Um, but instead, uh, I think that these authors would have us reshape the direction of our thoughts to how can I grow through this? You know, how, what is God teaching me in this? And um, sometimes we're reticent to do that. But yet that's like the heart of the matter, isn't it? I mean, Right. You know, again, we talk about the contentment that Paul speaks of contentment while he's in chains in prison. It's not a contentment of prosperity gospel where everything, you know, you accept Jesus, everything's going to be great. That's not it. Right. It's it's contentment going in every situation. I know God is with me. So yeah. what is he telling me through this situation or how does he want me to grow in this? What is he yeah. preparing me for? That's kind of where I think the, for me, I think that's where the contentment comes from. I'm being made stronger in my faith. Yeah. And I think that was our very first podcast, wasn't it? Where we looked at Paul. Uh, when, you know, when he was testifying that he's learned the secret to being content in, in any and every situation, right. right? Whether he has enough or not enough, or, you know, where he's way too much food or barely enough food or whatever, he's learned that through the experience, right. Of sometimes having more than enough and sometimes not having enough. So it's that experience of, not having enough that Paul realized helped to shape his maturity to know what true contentment was, where if he hadn't experienced that, he wouldn't have really known that maybe on the level that he did. 
And so that ties our very first episode, if you will, ties in very well, I think, to where we are. We are here today. As with we James and, and probably I would argue with all the authors. Yeah, right. right. That's what yeah, I, I mean. Peter, there was you a- see it come up. Paul, you see it come up. Um, it's just really consistent. Of course, Jesus, um, you know, himself taught about these things uh, as well. So it's just important for us to think, you know, to think well um, about our circumstances because we don't always do that. You're, you're right. And, and Dan, in some way, because of the consistency across authorship, across the books of the Bible, um, it becomes a trustworthy measure for each of us, right? Yeah. Because it is so consistent, because it is so right. black and white, it becomes yeah. a good re- measuring stick for us as individuals to measure our own hearts. Am I abiding to what this is by what's this saying? Yeah. Um, am yeah. I content or am I discontent? Well, if yeah. I'm discontent, I, you know, I got, I got to think yeah. about that. I got to pray about that. Yeah. Especially because like you say, it's, con- it's consistent and that's, that's important. I mean, the more, you know, all scripture counts, but the more the more consistent a theme is that you see pop up again and again and again, that you can know that it's not just kind of a one-off. It's not just something, oh, am I really interpreting this correctly because it only shows up here? You know, am I overemphasizing this? And that's just kind of a good Bible study tool, right, for our audience and for ourselves as well to know when things become not just one-offs but themes throughout Scripture that we know there's things that are really important that we ought to pay a lot of attention to, right? Absolutely. So let's jump in here to James chapter one, verse two. Do you, do you have that up there? Do you want me to read it? I'm going to let you read it because I am struggling. I'm looking for my glasses and I cannot find them today. So, (laughs) all right. I don't have any of those yet, but I probably, I probably should. All right. So let's just read a little bit here. This is in James chapter one, verse two, and it speaks right to the conversation that we've been having uh, already. He says, count it all joy, my brothers. I'm reading from the ESV here today. Uh, brothers includes women as well. That's why some translations say brothers and sisters. It's just the, it's just people. I count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And, and I and I love that uh, right off the bat, Nick. I'm I'm notorious for this stopping mid verse because I just you know <laughs> there's just well okay let me let me keep reading it and then we'll go back. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There is also a recurring theme. Yeah, which are you talking about the uh, the perfect, perfect or the complete and the mature? Right. Yeah. So let's, uh, but, but let's just kind of, let's work through this a couple pieces of this verse before we get... Um, to that one. First of all, it's really baffling to us, right? That he could say in, at the beginning of this verse, verse two, count it all joy, right? Count it joy when you meet trials. <laughs> now, first of all, we're like, whoa. And this, this really relates back. And James ties in a lot, Nick, to Jesus is teaching like in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. A lot of Jesus is teaching. Of course, that ought not to surprise us. Um, we want to you know, see that consistency of Scripture that's, of course, rooted in, in Jesus himself. Um, but, you know, he says, blessed are you who are persecuted. We're like, wait a minute. Uh, I'm supposed to be happy when I'm persecuted? <laughs> you know? Um, blessed are There's you a question. 
Is happiness and joyful the same thing? <laughs> well, it's it, it biblically it kind of is, but that's another that's another <laughs> subject, whatever. But in any case, joy is a positive thing, right? Right, right. Um, so we're to count it joy when we meet trials, and I think it's just it's just fair to say that that just like throws us for a loop to start with, right? Right, because if you think about trials, we're like, ugh, you know, anything but joy. We're like, oh no, like why? And as he'll say um, later, um, don't blame God. You know, so there's a there's a, a flip side here. The flip side is that people sometimes blame God. God, why are you allowing this? Why is this happening to me? Why, you know, I've been I've been a good boy. <laughs> I've been a good little boy and girl. Why are you doing this to me? And James is saying, no, 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 no. That's not that's not thinking right about it. But that right. that comes later. Um, but why, Nick? Why? Um, why? And he gives the answer here, right? Yeah. But, I mean, but why? Why joy when trials come? I mean, those, those trials are what is going to bring about that maturity in faith. As you practice your faith, as you seek to have the character and the heart of Jesus, you know, when these trials come along, um, it's going to produce that steadfastness, right? Hopefully, that when the world's blowing up around you, you don't become a different person, right? You become the person you've been working to become, which is you have the character of Jesus. And no matter what wind is blowing against you, you're going to remain steadfast in that in that journey. You're going to remain steadfast in the way you you live out your life. Yeah. And it, and it's all it's all, all I think it's more than almost. But he, he says here that this the the trial aspect is really actually a core part of the maturity process. Hmm. And so we, we folks have a, have a, an interesting question. I don't know if we have the choice or not, but it's interesting how we think about it. So here's a reflection question right along the way. If you had to choose one or the other, would you choose comfort and ease or maturity through trial? You know, would you rather be closer to God and more of the person he wants you to be with the recognition of that will necessarily involve difficulty or would you rather kind of have a more surface level faith, but with ease? Wow. So, <laughs> so first of all, that's a great question that everybody should be asking. And I mean, that really puts it in terms of the personal nature of scripture, right? Um, you don't just read this, but you actually learn and seek to become what it's telling you to become. So that's one thing. So when I said, wow, it's a loaded question, it's a loaded question because can you even be a follower of Jesus and answer it? I want the comfort. I mean, can you be a follower of Jesus? Well, James has, I think James has a lot to say about that in, in a sense, not, and it's not just the comfort, but it's the can you be a follower of Jesus and still kind of do things the way that you want to do them? Right. Can you, can you be a follower of Jesus and still talk about people you don't like in the way that you used to? Can you be a follower of Jesus and still treat people differently based on their wealth and status? Can you be a follower of Jesus and ignore certain people that God cares about? Well, apparently some people thought they could. Right then and still today. And that's what, um, you know, that's what he's, James is kind of calling us to, you know, Nick, you, you mentioned earlier in a conversation uh, about 
Jesus's letter to uh, the church, one of the churches in Revelation about being lukewarm. Mm. And that's kind of, you know, there's a lot going on there, but this is kind of this thing about being half-hearted, right? There's, there, there's such this temptation. And I think we should just acknowledge that for what it is, Nick. There's a strong temptation in the Christian faith to have this kind of half-hearted um, belief in Jesus to receive the benefits, if you will, or, or certain of the benefits without the cost. And uh, a lot of a lot of us try to live there. Hmm. You know, we do. We 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 tr- we tr- we try to live there. I I think that there's a there's a dissonance there. There's a divided self that can't really stand. Um, and so we'd have to come up with, with a lot of excuses for how, oh, well, you, you're really just okay the way you are. You don't have to change, you know. But my impression, Nick, I'd like to hear your thoughts about this, is that the more we become serious students of Scripture, serious disciples, it almost forces us off the fence, right, off that kind of – off the wavering, like, like – um, <laughs> Elijah said to God's people way back on Mount Carmel in the Old Testament, he says, how long will you waver between two opinions, between serving God and serving these, these idols, right. these other gods? And we, that's, that story is so enduring because of this aspect, right? It's so We so much want to sit the fence between the prosperity and the American dream and the laying down our lives as disciples of Jesus. Like we want we want to have a foot in both worlds. Like, and if we're honest, like, wouldn't we, if we could have both, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> you know? No. But, <laughs> <laughs> if we could, I don't think we can. Is the, no. Know, <laughs> because in God's design, I mean, we have to seek him first, love him above all. And that's why I go back to my question. Can you can you live that life? Can you choose that life of comfort? Like Dan, I get it that a lot of people struggle with when they first make their commitment to say, wow, you know, I'm not even talking about those that want to hold on to, you know, the rich ruler who wanted to hold on to his wealth. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the idea that in America, when someone says, um, you know, like for instance, to follow your calling, I, I recently went through a, a, a transition in, in employment that that cost me a little bit, right? I mean, it, it 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 genuinely cost me, and it cost me enough that some folks around me were saying, "Why would you do that? Like, why would you give that? You know, why would you give up the comfort? Yeah. Why would you give up the wealth? Why would you give that up?" But in that particular case, it was absolutely necessary to full the, fulfill the calling, like to actually right. walk the path that I knew I was being called on, right? Right that's kind of what I'm talking about. You can't live in both worlds. I can't, I can't hold on to the money and carry out the mission in that case. Now, well, in we, some cases you can, yeah, I mean, in some, yeah. you know, well, but, and that, at that particular moment for you, you would be a divided self. If you committed yourself to follow Jesus the way that you have, and he called you to do something. If you denied that call because of something else, you would be a divided disciple. Yeah. Really, and, right? and think about it even, you know, um, I, I mean, you, you can just see so many examples of it in, in scripture about not putting anything before God, not holding anything as an idol before God, being willing to sacrifice literally everything when you are called yeah. to do so. And, not and, generally, like I'm not saying, you know, that, that, you know, Abraham was very, very wealthy, right? I mean, he had 
a lot of wealth and didn't have yeah. to give it all up. The yeah. idea is, but when God calls you to something, will you have right. the faith and the character to follow through and do what he's calling you to do? Yeah. Well, you said, you said a minute ago, like, it's not, it's not like that rich young ruler, but it is, it's that that's exactly what it is in a sense. It's not, be, I mean, cause his, his circumstance was his own and Jesus interaction with him was its own, but let's tie this together because it does tie right into this, this verse that we're, that we're looking at. Um, as Jesus interacted with him, and hopefully our audience can recall that that interaction, um, Jesus says to th- to him, "If if you want to be perfect, mm. if you want to be mature, if you want to be teleos, if you want to be a, a whole person, a whole disciple." We talked about this a couple episodes ago. That was Paul's goal for everybody he ministered to to be mature and complete. Nick, that's the same word that pops up here. Sometimes it's translated perfect. Sometimes it's translated mature, but it's, it's teleos. We talked, we talked about it, but James says here that that's the, that's the end goal, right? So interestingly, right. We talk about the connection. Paul says that's the end goal for his ministry. Mm-hmm, James right. says that's the end goal. Jesus says, as he interacted with this person and, and as he taught everybody, that's the end goal. Do you see the consistency folks here? Yeah. Right. This wholehearted. And I think that that's the word that I like best, Nick undivided or wholehearted, right? All in allegiant, uh, to him, uh, him alone, him above all else. And so Jesus looked at that guy and he said, and he, of course he saw, he saw into his heart the way that we can't, you know, but he just recognized that until he gave that up, he couldn't be all in. Right. Right. And, and that's a good question for the listeners too. Are you all in, you know, are you, are you coming from, you know, what we're trying to get you to is the point where if you're, if the culture of the church that you grew up in, or maybe what you come to terms with in terms of what you've seen in Christianity is that you can live in both worlds or you don't have to make sacrifices or whatever it might be. Um, this, this really forces you to say, Hey, no, wait a minute. That's, that's not accurate. That's a false teaching. I mean, when you go all in for Jesus, um, it, it goes back to that, you know, it's almost a line that we use in a cliche fashion, but it's, it is true. Right. He's going to call you. He's not going to tell you where you're going, but he's going to call you. And then right. your option is to either say yes or no. But what maturity brings is that all in capacity. It's like, as you go, you go, I'm willing to go wherever you lead me, wherever you ask me to go, I'm willing to go. And what we see here, I mean, we've been talking about it from maybe a wealth perspective, but what we start to see in a lot of churches today is, yes, I am absolutely willing to go wherever the Lord calls me unless he calls me in some way to violate my political beliefs. Yeah. I am willing to go wherever the Lord calls me unless in some way he calls me to violate my social beliefs. Like, yeah. you know, whether it's racism or uh, sexism or whatever it is, yeah. like we have a lot of people just like the rich young ruler one to hold on to his wealth that cannot let go of whatever it is in their lives that they've been raised to believe. Yeah. And what James does so eloquently is tell them, guess what? Black and white. Sorry about your luck. Yeah. Here's, here's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, I think maybe in our next episode, we'll talk about in James, a couple of those specific things that he draws out, because I think that's really good. And this lays such a good, you know, foundation for that, Nick, because um, there's, there's specific things. And I think it's helpful 
for us in our teaching and our communication to actually call these things out the way that James does. You know, if you say you're a disciple of Jesus above all else, but you are unwilling to connect it here, right? What is that really saying about, you know, about, about us? Um, mm. And it's, uh, I think it's important for us to, to be that direct, Nick, because we're not really good at connecting all the dots sometimes, are we? Like we're, 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 we easily dismiss, oh, but, you know, this is the exception. You know? Oh, yeah, we're, we're really not. And, and the question that I asked Dan before we came on board was, you know, um, if, if COVID was a test in reference, you know, to what he's saying here about being tested, how did we do as a church? Well, let me tell you something. When, when Sunday mornings got closed down, a lot of people lost their mind. When politicians said wear masks, a lot of people lost their mind. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a lot of people um, exposed their foundation in those times of, of, of chaos. I'm not even going to say crisis because it was really just chaos. It was well, a disruption. I think it's fair to say at the very least that you could call it a trial of some sort, right? I mean, it's, well, I don't know. You, you if, know if, like, that's that's trial, if that's a trial, I'll live trial all day long. I don't think well, that's a trial. Even if it's a, even if it's a weak version, but, but you know, it's interesting how it's interesting how he puts this, he puts it though, in this verse, he says, uh, count it joy when you, when you meet trials of various kinds, right? Maybe we could even say various kinds or degrees. And in a sense, Nick, and, and several, I've, I've read several things or heard several people talk about this, that even though, I mean, you're kind of, you know, you're saying, I, I mean, I agree with you, like this is very low level, whatever, but it, but in one sense, it is a test, right? Because mm -hmm. if we can't, if we can't weather this well, <laughs> it's a seriously though, right? It's a pretty good, uh, hey. it's a pretty good indicator of how we're going or not going to be able to weather something more substantial. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Dan. When, when the people start showing up at the door with the guns and when people start getting executed, like they are in other countries, you know, that's persecution. That's, yeah. That's scary stuff. Um, and, and you know, so, you know okay, to think but, that you lost to think that you lost your civil rights because you have to put a mask on to protect yeah. those around you. Yeah. That's almost goofy. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's let's be a little bit fair to the circumstance in the New Testament world, though, because it was varied. I mean, it was every, every it was everywhere from you know big time persecution. That wasn't that wasn't the norm that people were being killed left and right at this point later right. on, later on, it became the norm, but there was a lot of ridicule. You know, you would just be constantly mocked and laughed at for being a Christian. You know, perhaps you would be, uh, you wouldn't be able to get a job because you were a follower of Jesus, things like that. And that would make us go nuts too. And stuff like that. If yeah, that was the case in this culture, you know, you, you would be, um, ostracized, I guess is the word yeah. from your family. Like, yeah. you know, family members would want nothing to do with you because you're breaking ranks on their, on, on the sense of community that came with the Jewish faith for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it was a whole different, you know, and it was a whole different situation. And again, I, you know, I don't want, I, I, I made a comment that I, I kind of regret because I think it'll be taken out of, out of context. Remember what I was saying was, What's goofy is to say your civil rights are being violated. It's not goofy to want to or not to want to wear a mask. That's not what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, it's that idea where let's, we can call it a test. We can call it, you know, uh, chaos. We can call it a lot of things, 
but let's be reasonable men and women and, and not call it, you know, not try to compare it to yeah. what the early church would have been going through. I don't know if this is fair or not to say, but I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of brainstorming it a little bit here. It seems to me like almost everything in life is a potential, may not trial, but it's a, it's a potential for us to grow closer to Christ or further away. So let me, let me just give an example on the flip side. Say all of a sudden something happens in your life where you're famous. Like you're well known, everyone's looking to you. Like you have a new set of responsibilities, a new set of temptations. Like say you're given ten million dollars to to you know to do something with. You're given a whole new like nobody would consider that like a trial or a persecution, but it's an <laughs> oppor- but it's but it, but it's an opportunity to show: Are you going to be a disciple of Jesus in this area, in this moment, in this circumstance, or not? Right. And for a lot of people, they fail that trial. Amen. Yeah, they do they fail that test. And so every opportunity of life, no matter where. And, and so I guess that's the thing, you know, for us, for us and for our audience here, for our for our people, um, whatever circumstance we're at is an opportunity uh, to grow or to not. But these times of trial, these challenges, right, amplify the opportunity. So don't miss it. Right. Right. Don't miss it because he says. Uh, this testing of your faith produces steadfastness, right? This idea that uh, in Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the, the house built on the rock, right? The storms come up, the trials, the troubles. And, and if you're built on the rock of his teaching, uh, then you're, you, you remain strong. You're steadfast, right? Let this steadfastness have its full effect so that you're perfect or mature. Again, this Greek word, teleos incomplete, not lacking anything. Hmm. Um, and I love that scripture. Hey man, uh, I, I do too as well. And, and again, remember we're talking about, we're talking about that blowing in the wind. How much do you blow in the wind? How much do you work on your character in such a way in these trials or these circumstances to know that no matter what the world throws at you, you're going to remain committed to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And and that means acting the way he would want you to act, not the way you would want to act. Right. You know, laying down your life and acting with compassion and humility and empathy and, you know, um, and, and what we've seen here, you know, what we've seen recently is, you know, and one of the reasons I've gone to James is because we've seen a lot of people that their arrogance have just welled up and poured out of them during this season. Right. It's my way not God's way. It's my way. And, you know, sometimes just, we think, go ahead. Well, th- that, that is the trial. So, okay. You've just acknowledged to yourself and everybody around you that it's your arrogance that comes out in that time of trial. And as you said, now's your option. Do I acknowledge that repent of it and grow towards Christ? Yeah. Or do I live it out and just simply say, well, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. I know what Christ expects, but I don't care. I'm going to do it my way. Well, I think one challenge too, is that we, sometimes we think our way is, is God's way, but we don't, oh, yes. we don't think that in a very robust way. And I was thinking sometimes that sometimes we hide, we hide behind like general terms or ideas without a very robust and tangible foundation. So for example, sometimes, and this, this comes up anywhere anywhere along the way 
where people will sometimes say something like, well, you just have to have faith. Right. You just have to have faith. Oh, like you're not showing any faith. Like you just like, and it's sort of like, okay. You know, like I, I remember being in like um, Bible study discussions and we bring up a scripture and I'll ask a question and somebody will say, well, it really just comes back to having faith, right? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, but that's, you know, not specifically what we're talking about here. But what, what we're trying to do, Nick, is really root our discipleship, our faith in the teaching of Jesus, in the teaching of scripture Yes, that we can say when some, when, when we're talking about something, we can specifically say, here's why I have this perspective, right? Here's why I'm saying this because of this, you know, like, so Paul, when, when Paul was writing, uh, he said things like take, have the same mindset as Jesus. And then he, and he said about what Jesus did, right. what Jesus taught, like it's, it's rooted in its ground that it's not just like, be loving, you know, in general without, he's like, this is what love is, right? First John, God laid, he laid down his life. That's what love is. Now be loving, yeah. right? So it's tangible. Okay. Well, go ahead. What, um, I just was going to share maybe a, a perspective that will maybe help some that are listening to what I'm talking about. You know, for those of us that went through some form of basic training, whether it army Marines, whatever, whatever you've gone through, if you've gone through some form of basic training, were you in the military, Nick? I was in the national guard. Yes. Okay, cool. So, you know, for, for eight weeks, basically they make you do a lot of, um, I'm, I'm going to say what you perceive to be illogical things, right? They'll, they'll make you do stuff that makes no sense to you. But in the overall course of things, what they're training you for is, first of all, things that probably you don't know anything about. And so that adds some of the perspective to what they're making you do. But at the end of the day, there's a piece of it that simply you have to learn how to break down, become humble so that you can follow orders in a crisis situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so to a large degree, I think our churches need to understand what they're doing is training up God's army so that when things break down that army knows how to respond, right? So when the chaos yeah. happens, they know how they're expected to respond, right? They know how to take yeah. orders. They know how to follow directions. And of course, yeah. the commander in that case is Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is how he calls us to act. Yeah. With humility, with, you know, all these things. And, well, and so, you know, I, oftentimes it's easy to share the gospel with people who have a military background because they get that. Yeah. Um, but that's really yeah. what we're doing. We're building characters yeah. so that in the crisis, in the battle. Yeah that character comes through. Well, so, so often, and, and I love that illustration that you use. I mean, we're, we're, we're so self-willed mm -hmm. that even, you know, one thing, like you mentioned that you're taught is to follow orders. Like we're so, we don't want to do anything unless we understand and agree with it. Absolutely. Like all the way. And that's kind of like what Peter dealt with. Like I said it several times on our podcast, on our discussions now, like with Jesus, he was like, no, Jesus, like, I don't think so. You know, and what Jesus was you know, trying to teach them is do what I say, then you'll understand. Like you were exactly. saying about, you had to do exercises that you don't, you didn't understand as you were doing it. But then you look back and you say, Oh, I see what was happening. Right. And that's the idea in our faith, uh, the idea of faith seeking understanding, right? Is that you follow Jesus, you do what he says. And then as you experience it, you understand the goodness of it, right? You understand the wisdom of his way. And uh, that's what didn't happen way back in the garden. He said, God, thanks, but no thanks. I'll decide for myself. Right. And that, that way doesn't work out real well. 
Yeah. That human, human pride or, or human will is just, you know, that that's, what's going to get us into trouble. And, and of course this book James talks about, about that too. We're not going to, we're not going to get around to that. I'm sure. But not right now, but maybe, maybe in the future. Year. Right. So, okay. Last, last, um, last verse here, then we'll close up for today and we'll be back. We're always coming. We're coming back. We're like the Terminator, we're like Arnold. <laughs> Except it's not, I'll be back. So we'll be back. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, it just is because it ties together so well, Nick. In verse 12, James chapter 1, still verse 12. Blessed is the man, blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has or she has stood the test, will receive the crown of life. Amen. Which God has promised to those who love him. So there's there's a couple aspects to this being steadfast through trial. One is that it's, it's part, it's a big part of how we grow to maturity by being steadfast through trial. But the other part of this is that, and sometimes we don't, you know, give this enough credence is that God is, God is watching us, Hmm. right? God is watching the kind of people that we're becoming. He's, he's longing for us to become these mature, incomplete people, disciples of his, but there is a reward that's coming, Nick. Um, and it's interesting that he doesn't say here that this particular reward is, is for those who have, you know, prayed the prayer, right? For those who genuinely believe that Jesus died for their sins. He says that this crown of life is for those who remain steadfast in that. And there's some interesting things to wrestle through there. You know, Paul talks to the church in, in, in Corinth about their motivations and their and their leadership works and whatnot being sort of tested by fire and the idea that some some kind of are in by the skin of their teeth, mm. so to speak, and others receive the the crown, the well done, right? That he's talking about here. And I think that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. I mean, I guess, you know, I guess, Nick, if what you really want is to just to get into heaven by the skin of your teeth, you know, there's a lot of stuff to wrestle with. But if that's what you really want, I guess. But that's just it's so weak. You know, it's it's so lame compared to what God wants for us, what he has for us, what he desires for us. And um this is what I want. I mean, I want this crown of life. Mm. I want to be steadfast. I want to be, mat- I want to be mature. I want him to say, well done. Um, I want to be in his presence. Yeah. Like I desire to be in his presence. Like I desire to be in that, that city that he builds his new, yeah. his new city, like in his presence, not, not exiled outside of his presence. So mm. And I want that so much that I can't even comprehend somebody who just wants to squeak in because if they just want to squeak in, I don't think they comprehend yeah. how important it is to be in God's presence. Like, and, and there's a lot of reasons they may not understand that. Um, certainly the church, and, and now I'm talking about the, well, I guess it is the capital C church. The church over the last 2000 years has given people a reason to be suspect, given people a reason to be you know, like, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. What we talk about here on this show is looking past the human actions of man and saying, wait a minute, there's still this God behind every error man has made. Like there's this God there that that's the one we have to keep looking towards. Men will get it wrong. Yeah. Scripture gets it right. 
This is yeah. what we need to live by. This is yeah. this is that pearl of great value. This is, you know, no matter how much men have screwed it up, that's not that's not what we're shooting for. What we're shooting for is that presence of God and and a life outlined in scripture. And again, that goes back to this idea of, you know, when trial comes up, are you going to be the 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 zealot? Are you going to be the, you know, picket? You're going to be the I don't even know. Um or are you going to be the one that follows and obeys? Right. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you are yeah. a disciple of mine, you will do what I say. You know, are you going to be that person yeah. or are you going to be the big mouth that complains about everything? Well, I think that's also that's also the way that we prepare ourselves to be in his presence. Yes. Right? Is where yes. I mean his his kingdom, when his kingdom comes in its fullness, it's when his his will is done. And if there's all these things like in the scripture that it was saying, well, that's this is not his will, but we're still going to do it anyway. Like we're not preparing ourselves and we're, and we're not really showing him that we love him. Like we can say, oh, I'm longing for your presence, but I'm not going to do anything that you want. And right. it's sort of like saying like, like you don't get it. Like yeah, my presence, like that's back, you know, as the, as the, as the garden at the beginning of Genesis comes to fruition at the end of revelation and the, in the fullness of the new heavens and the new earth and the kingdom, it's back. It's, it's what, you know, it's, it's where God's will is done forever. And so if you don't want to do God's will now, you're going to be in for a shocker later, you yeah. know, in, in that, in that process. And Nick, I, I feel like, you know, the, the kingdom of God is this already not yet thing. Like it's already broken in right through Jesus. And I feel like the more, the more that we live into that now, the more of his presence we experience now, like it's not, it's not in the full, right? It's not face to face. But when we honor him and we follow him in everything, the, the closer we get to him, um, I feel like the more of the more of him we can experience now, and it only makes that longing to see him face to face, you know, even more. But like for instance, Paul wanted to be connected to Jesus so much that he that he even said, I, I want to participate in his sufferings. Right? <laughs> he he felt like that when he suffered for the gospel in that suffering, he felt close to Christ who suffered for us. Right. That's, I mean, that's a longing for his presence, Nick. Right. Right. And we talked yeah. about, you know, picking up our cross or being crucified with him, you know, his desire. I mean, what would happen, Nick, if we really had that desire, it would, it would turn the world upside down. Yeah, it would. I mean, um, it, there's no question it, it would. I mean, I, and, and again, I mean, I can honestly tell you, there's a lot of things that I read in scripture that, that terrify me. Right. So for me to say, you know, for me to say that I want to go the way of, of uh, the early Christians to the lions or the early Christian, you know, that, you know, the, the, the fiery furnace of, you know, the, the yeah. old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego to say, I want to go that way. No, I don't, but they didn't want to go that way either. <laughs> they just wanted to be obedient. You know, they were obedient. Yeah to the calling, right? They were obedient to the demands of God and that obedience is what got them in trouble. They didn't, they didn't want to run into that. They didn't want to go that direction, but they were willing to. Yeah. Right. There's a big difference. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if you look at Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that's an excellent example for today as we talk about how we relate to the powers that be because they weren't picking fights, Nick. No, they weren't. They weren't just saying, forget you and everything you're about. They were saying, 
you know, we're, we'll do what we can do, but we can only do so much without right. violating our convictions. And that's right. where we have to draw the line somewhere. And it wasn't like in defiance. It was like, we just have to stand here. Right. And, so, and I think if, if people really focus on what's going on today in society, because there's a lot of discussion in the church about, um, you know, there, I, I've seen people say, well, we don't have to obey Romans 13 because the government lies to us. No, you do. You have to obey Romans 13. But even in obeying Romans 13, it's true that you don't put God's um, the worship of God or God's first place in your heart second to anybody. Right. And I think that's what you're saying. Like these people right. in the Old Testament, they weren't trying to pick fights. They weren't trying to be yeah. disruptive. They right. simply said, look, I have to worship my God. Yeah. And I can't not do that. Yeah. And there may come, um, and there may come times, there have been times in the past that we have to respectfully but firmly say no, but right. that's a difference. That's a different thing than living in a constant state of rebellion against everything we just don't like. Right. Right. Or, uh, or you know, or like again, making making the the assumption that when for whatever reason, and again, I, I always have to say this, and even to this day, I got into an argument about this this weekend with somebody. It's like in Pennsylvania, the governor never closed churches right? In Pennsylvania, the governor never closed churches. It was never the government saying you have to close under any, under any, there's no gray area there. They, you were wide open. Now you got the guidance of the numbers and all that sort of thing. And a lot of churches chose to close, right? Um, but they were under no pressure from the government in Pennsylvania to close. Well, again, you've got these people out there saying, you know, we're going to stand up and fight again. Well, there's nothing to fight against. You're the ones that are making that the issue. The government's not making that the issue. You're you're picking a bad point, and again, you're 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 being a zealot. I mean, I hate to say it, but you're being a zealot. You're trying you're trying to fight for something that's really not there. And and I think we're going to get into that more as we dig into James too about um, that idea of are you following Christ or are you following your personal desires and your personal agendas, right? Good question. And we are out of time. It's, it's been, uh, it always goes fast, Nick. It's been good. Um, but just know this, um, know this friends, uh, that you should count it all joy when you experience trials of many kinds, whether they're little or big or whatever, um, for, for all of the, all of the tests that we faith, uh, face are an opportunity for steadfastness. So maybe, you know, if your steadfastness isn't what you want it to be, it's, now's a good time to, uh, to start rooting it in there. You know, it's not, it's never too late as long as we draw breath to, um, you know, to change direction on stuff, um, and to, uh, and to trust, uh, trust Jesus. So thanks for joining us today. Join us Tuesday for our live discussion, two o'clock. And, uh, we, uh, have loved having you along for the ride. Please share this if you thought it was helpful and, uh, join us on Tuesday. Bye. Take care, everyone.